Welcome nerd. Are you ready to launch 140th expedition into nerdum? Preparing for launch. Queuing bitchin rockabilly track. Priming engines. Now preparing to decipher complicated plots from talented directors. Unencrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Chris. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, old man Damon. It was your birthday today, huh? <laughs> it, How was it? It was my birthday today. It was a great birthday. Uh, you know, I had a fantastic time. My family treated me well. Got lots of awesome gifts. Um, tons of toys, of course, because I'm a giant man-child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, most men in their 40s are, you know, getting things like, you know, golf clubs and... You know, I don't know, polos and ties and stuff, but not me. I, you know, I'm getting the same gifts I've been getting, you know, since I was eight years old. You know, Transformers, G.I. Joes, Marvel Legends, you know, toys. So, yeah. Hell but, yeah, though. <laughs> yeah, fuck growing up, right? <laughs> so I've been walking around this entire, like, year, it feels like, thinking I was older than I really was. And it was my daughter who pointed this out. I said something about turning 44 this year. And my daughter looked at me, you know, confused and said, Daddy, you're 40, you're 42. You're going to be 43 this year. And then I went ahead and started to argue with her. And it took my wife stepping in and saying, no, Damon, you're 42. You are going to be 43 this year. So I almost feel like I gained a year. <laughs> but it also shows you, like, you know, how little age matters after a certain point. You know, like after, besides the milestone birthdays, like you really mm -hmm. don't keep track of it anymore. Like once you hit a certain point. So like after 30, it, it's just, you know, you're done with it. You're like, whatever. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, no, fuck growing up, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but I can't believe I, I'm pretty sure I've, you know, told many people, oh no, I'm 43. Probably on this show, I probably said I'm 43. <laughs> And no, I wouldn't be surprised. No, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm 42, or I was 42. <laughs> so it's like this whole year was a big deal, right? Like you know, do over, exactly. I get to start over again, <laughs> whatever. Well, you're thinking ahead. You're already ready. You're 2021. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It's so weird. I don't know why, when that happened, or how it happened. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> happy birthday to me. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. So David. this week's episode is going to be a little abbreviated. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. Christian's going out of town. Uh, so there's going to be no news this week. Uh, but don't worry, we've got plenty of content, plenty of reviews and, you know, whatnot uh, for you guys. So, uh, Christian, you want to tell the people where you're going? Well, I'm heading on down south uh, to go visit my grandfather for his 80th birthday. It was actually, uh, we were supposed to go on like a whole like family vacation. Big surprise, but then, you know, 2020 happened. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I'll just be down there for a couple days where there is no internet and no cable, and I will be in a black hole of... Jesus of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to survive? I don't know. <laughs> you need to get yourself like a stack of comics or something. Probably. Uh, there is a book I need to start reading. So, <laughs> A book? Yes. Um, Uzumaki. It's a manga book. It's a horror manga. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you have it already? Yes. Okay. All right. 
<laughs> well, maybe you could do a review when you come back. How's that? Okay, maybe. <laughs> you're not going to read shit while you're down there. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. Yes, that's, that's pretty it. much it. <laughs> uh, to be in your 20s again. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and move on. Christian, you watched the first three episodes of The Boys Season 2. That's right, Damon. It was a series I wasn't sure would get a season two uh, when it first came out. And then, like, everyone got behind it. It got super excited. So I'm definitely glad I got to review a second season. Butcher, what happened? My wife. She's alive. Vought's holding a gap of somewhere. And right now, we're in a little bit of trouble. The boys become wanted fugitives with the butcher framed for Stillwell's murder. In hiding together, Huey, M.M., Frenchie, and Kimiko learn that a superpowered terrorist with telekinetic abilities is on the loose. So Christian, somehow we totally missed that they were only putting out the first three episodes. This past Friday. I, yeah, we're not the only ones. <laughs> now, apparently they announced this in June, but I don't know. Somehow it just like, you know, flew over our heads. We totally missed it. Um, and I, a lot of people were pissed off. <laughs> you know, I heard they were actually like review bombing Amazon about it, which oh, is Jesus. just fucking ridiculous. It's like grow up people. Mm. Now you're acting like fucking babies. Like, <laughs> like, why would you, like, try to hurt a show that you love just because you're not getting it all at once? That seems ridiculous to me. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I get it. You know, you don't like being left on a cliffhanger, but, you know, it's coming back next week. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> it's, be patient. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but, yeah, so I didn't get a chance to watch the first three episodes. You did. Uh, what are your initial thoughts? You know, um... With season one, it was a very explosive show. And I think I was expecting a little bit more of that same, like, you know, it's hitting you over the head, like nonstop railing action mm -hmm. uh, that we got from season well, one. Well, literally in the first episode, like, uh, <laughs> what's his name's girlfriend explodes. So exactly. <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> so did we not have any big moments like the first, you know, episodes or, or so? Like There's that. moments, but I feel like it needed to um, step up from where the first season was, you know? Okay. Uh, especially, like, the, these first three episodes really feel like it goes off this formula where it's like, uh, we know you're binging the first three, mm. so we're going to build up to a big moment in episode three rather than uh, giving you something hard each episode. Now, I mean, there are little cliffhangers to make you want to, like, sit there and binge each moment. But it wasn't, there was nothing there that I felt like got me super interested just in the first episode alone. So would you say it's like mostly set up the first three episodes? Yes. Okay. And I mean, man, I didn't realize how many characters we were introduced to in the first season until I was thrown back into the show. Because I had to like, even the little like, um, what's it called? The like previously on the boys thing at the beginning. Like, did not do it justice to the amount of storylines that were just running along in this second season. Like, you really had to have been paying attention. So do <laughs> they try season. to catch you up with each one of those characters? Yes, in, in their own ways. Like, um, I would say Hugh and the boys, uh, when we first are introduced to them again, um, you don't get too much of Mother's Milk and Frenchie, but I mean, there are, like, there's exposition where it's like, you know, oh, you know, I just want to get back to my kids, man. You know, stuff like that. So... <laughs> 
All right. So, I mean, it's just the first three episodes, but like your like initial like spoiler free thoughts because I haven't seen it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want any spoilers. I'm going to be selfish. <laughs> we'll probably come back at the end and review the whole season. You know, I don't I don't see us talking about it every week. Right. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll pick it up again at the end of because it's going episode. one episode every week after this. Yeah, I thought it was going to be three each week, but no, it's going to be one each week after. Yeah, this, they're going so, yeah. purely mm-hmm. episodic till I think October mm-hmm. 6th. They said that's the finale. So uh, I think ninth. Ninth. OK, yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, relax <laughs> it's <not> too far. <laughs> but <laughs> and you can always wait a couple weeks and binge a bunch of episodes together. So same exactly. deal it's, get, it's getting you to mandalorian right <laughs> exactly right <laughs> don't get me started all right <laughs> uh but yeah my overall thoughts are just like i'm really into this new character that they've introduced um Stormfront? i'm not gonna spoil any yeah Stormfront. i'm not gonna spoil anything about her but she is definitely a very fun character and is going to bring a whole new dynamic to the seven in general um, and then the returning of all the characters and just uh, seeing where they are now and seeing how the dynamic is going to work since like Starlight is now helping them and stuff like that. Um, it's very interesting to see where they're going. And there's definitely more um, of this kind. I don't know if it's like a father son type of vibe I'm getting from Butcher and Huey, but I, there's definitely more connection between the two of them oh, um, than previously um, mentioned. Because that's definitely new. I didn't. Feel, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have, like pegged them as like a you know you know father son type relationship at all at least in the mm. first season so do they like explain how butcher survived that final episode with homelander you can kind of piece it together there there's no one that says it directly and even butcher doesn't say it directly how he got away okay but uh, you can definitely like if you if you're paying attention to each storyline you can definitely tell you know who saved him okay Okay, maybe it's something that they'll reveal later on in the season. Definitely. So, but so far, thumbs up. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Two thumbs up. <laughs> so even though it feels like it's a lot of exposition right now, you know your your hopes are still high. My hopes are still high. I mean, I think they're going to go. It's going to be a lot slower paced mm-hmm. than it was before. Um, I don't know if that's just because of the way that they're releasing it or what, but it's just um, it definitely felt like they were taking their time. Rather than you know jumping and jumping and jumping. Okay. Any like any big surprises without spoiling anything, which is almost impossible. But anything that like stands <laughs> out to you? I'll definitely say like, and this is completely as as lightly as I can say, the dynamic between Stormfront and Homelander, I think, is the the thing that threw me off the most. But I'm also the most excited about. So definitely uh, keep your eye out on that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, all right. Well, you know, we'll be back, I guess, you know, October 9th, you said? Yes. Okay. So a little after October 9th, and we'll have a full review of the you know, entire second season. Exactly. Right in the middle of Horror Month. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's coming up. Oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> we got to start planning. <laughs> all right. All right, and then we also have plenty of other reviews for this week's episode. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag. All right, starting off our movie reviews, Damon saw the movie I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And now, our feature presentation. Yeah, 
I think you've ending. I am so glad Jake has found someone. <laughs> <laughs> Soon this will all be a distant memory. Who's this? It's me. No, it was me. I tell you, I would misplace my own head if it wasn't screwed onto my own head. I feel like I was seeing them as they were. Seeing them as they will be. Seeing them after they're gone. No, thank you, Ben. You can stay here. Excuse me? You don't have to go. I don't have to go where? Forward. Full of misgivings, a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents' secluded farm. Upon arriving, she comes to question everything she thought she knew about him and herself. This was written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, and it's also based on the book by the same name, uh, written by Ian Reid. So on the surface, Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things is about a girl going to meet her boyfriend's parents for the first time on a snowy day. Under that, though, is a surreal analysis about the human condition and how we connect and don't connect with others. Maybe. Um, much like Kaufman's other films, this movie challenges the viewer to read between the lines. It leads us through a dreamlike journey that dares the audience to unravel its mystery. This is a film that absolutely defies labels. Um, it's currently listed on lots of sites as like a horror film, thriller, I think I even saw drama. Um, while some of these elements are definitely present, I wouldn't classify it as any of these, so be warned. At times, it feels almost more like a psychological thesis come to life in the form of cinema. It's the kind of film that just nests in your brain for a couple days that you really need multiple viewings to even begin to dissect its meaning. Uh, for that very reason, I'm keeping this as spoiler-free as possible because I feel like it's something that needs to be experienced firsthand. Um, the one thing that is clear, though, is Kaufman wants you to be as uncomfortable and as confused as his characters from a doomed to fail couple on their first road trip to a dinner scene from hell he puts you into their shoes with his unconventional framing and editing close-up shots paired with dialogue and moments that linger just a little too long um, with these techniques he manages to just real really burrow under your skin uh, this is a two hour plus head trip. I mean, from the moment we arrive at the parents' house, it's enough to, tra to trigger an anxiety attack in anyone. As a viewer, you begin to realize any preconceived notion of what this film is about is just being thrown out the window. As we watch like reality itself just become untethered. Also, speaking of just, you know, masterfully done camera work, the use of, his, of the cinematography is just breathtaking. Some of this film looks like a painting come to life, and it really just manages to add to the overall bleak tone of the film. But the true strength of I'm Thinking of Ending Things are the performances. They are exceptionally layered and nuanced. It's very much not about what they're saying at times, but more about how they're saying it. Jessie Buckley is our anchor throughout this fever dream, and she just manages to convey such a deep sense of melancholy. It, it's amazing. And like always, no one does manic like the great Tony Collette. Um, 
My one gripe is at like two hours and 15 minutes. I will say there are parts of this film where the runtime does start to feel a little bloated. Um, particularly in the third act, once I start to realize like our true destination, um, I do feel like it's more of a case of those squirm in your seat, like extended scenes starting to add up. And I'm sure that was by design. And, you know, listen, this is definitely a film that's not for everyone, but I really enjoyed the experience and the way, like, it reveals its true nature to you. Uh, it's really the kind of film that everyone comes away with something different, a different experience and take on, um, something that's fun to sit around and discuss amongst friends. And that's what I really loved about it. So yeah, I mean, if you like to get your head fucked with and then feel depressed for about two days afterwards, I mean, check this film out. <laughs> I mean, it's nightmare fuel for the soul. <laughs> but no, I mean, it is awesome. All right, Damon. Well, you know the drill. What would you give this as a grade? All right, so this was hard. I think I'm going to give it a B plus. Only because in the third act, I feel like Kaufman gets a little overindulgent. Because otherwise, it would be a total A. Um, I'm just going to really enjoy going back and like rewatching this. Not necessarily right, you know, right away because it is incredibly depressing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to definitely let it breathe. But this is the kind of film that people are going to rewatch multiple times and try to kind of piece together what they miss. So I definitely check this out. All right. Well, moving on. I saw the movie. One of these bullets is like us, traveling forwards through time. The other one's going backwards. Can you tell which is which? How about now? Armed with only one word, Tenet, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. This is written and directed by Christopher Nolan and starring John David Washington and Robert Pattinson. So like this film, I feel like my review is going to go there and back again a couple times because while watching it, I was completely drawn into this world of forward and backward time sequences. But at the same time, how much of that did I fully understand? Who knows? (laughs) Um, Nolan put together a breakneck speed time thriller that made me feel like I was watching the best James Bond film ever. On the level of being an espionage save the world type of flick, I think Nolan and Cass did an astonishing job. Um, John David Washington is great in this film. He's a former CIA agent that you can really tell has a heart of gold behind his tough guy exterior. Even when he has to make the hard decisions, you can tell um, he is making them for the best possible reasons. Um, DeBecky and Pattison also are like equally compelling characters, but Washington clearly stole the show from start to finish. And while Kenneth Branagh uh, was definitely doing a great job playing his role as the villain in our story, um, his motivations and reasoning um, behind his actions and how it plays into the grander scheme are easy to get lost on because this story is complicated as all hell. This movie, while two hours and 30 minutes long, does not hit its brakes. This movie, while two hours and 30 minutes long, uh, really doesn't hit the brakes ever. Uh, Exposition flies at you at 
exposition flies at you and right past you before you realize what is even happening. And while I feel like that speed created great tension to the point where I even caught myself feeling hard to breathe at moments, it also forces you to have like have to like let go of what's been explained and move on to the next bit or you're going to become completely lost. Um, the rules of this time bending flick are there, but I don't know if I can honestly tell you how this all works in a way that makes sense. And while I feel like the first half of the film married the two concepts of espionage and the mystery of inverted time, um, the second half expects you just to get it and watch this grand spectacle unfold. I think this film has you know, like tons of A-plus elements at every turn, but I'm not 100% sure if the path works. The cinematography is perfect, you know, it's beautifully shot, uh, it's all I could possibly expect out of a Nolan flick at this point, but I'm definitely going to need to see it again to even comprehend its story. Um, it's It was one of those moments where I left happy, but I wasn't exactly sure why, and <laughs> I definitely think it's going to need a second watch just to fucking get into it, you know, even even have it soak into my brain. <laughs> All right, Christian. So I'm not going to lie. I'm really glad you saw this before me because I was <laughs> dreading to have to review it. It just looked like a giant uh -huh. fucking pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> with that being said, was this film more like spectacle than substance? Because that was my fear watching the trailer. You know, I'm going to say I think... The film came about with the spectacle of, you know, we have this great effect where we can make the choreography look amazing. And then there was definitely a script written, but the amount of effort that had to have gone into making that spectacle and putting this insane story around it, I think makes, makes it almost worth it. Like, I feel like there's enough substance there to make it interesting. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely all about this crazy choreography and effect that they put on. And film. I know Christopher Nolan's not the kind of artist to, you know, have his name attached to a project like that. Um, and I know this is, exactly. you know, his work. So but I mean, the trailer just made it kind of feel I don't think it, you know, I haven't seen the film yet. Did it really <laughs> much justice because it felt like it was so much about, you know, the gimmick of you know the whole reverse time whatever the fuck is going on mm -hmm. um that was my concern but i know obviously they don't want to give away what the hell this film is about like in the two minute trailer so i yes. get it but that was definitely kind of a concern i had so i mean is this a film that you're going to rewatch over and over again to try to piece things together um like um, like I, i'm I going I... to with fucking um <laughs> i'm thinking of ending it all I mean, I think I can stomach one more time, okay. you know, <laughs> but like um, just, just the same reasons that you had for that film, um, that final act. And like once you finally get into the groove of knowing everything that's going to pretty much come based off of, you know, this being time travel and they're kind of giving away the answers so that you can see the journey to them. Mm. Um, I mean, I feel like that's going to be harder to watch on a like third viewing and fourth viewing because you know what's the, what's there. But there's so, but it's so fast getting to that point. Like all the stuff that before that, explaining where we are, and like all the action pieces in between that, where it's like 
am I missing things that you're saying? You know, like by the time I've like, and this, I mean, this goes into my grade pretty much. By the time I figured out, you know, what you guys were talking about earlier, you're already about 30 minutes into a new battle. You know, so you're, you're <laughs> trying that's... to play catch up half the time. <laughs> exactly. Now, would you like to see a sequel to this film? Um, I mean, I think the film leaves off in an interesting way where it totally could do a whole sequel. I mean, there's got to be more people um, and not to not to spoil anything, but there's got to be more people with this technology. So um, I, I, I'd definitely be interested to see where they okay. go. Um, and you know, if Christopher Nolan is behind it, you know, there's definitely a strong story there because he's not going to just do something, mm. you know, you know, for a cash grab. You know, he's at that level now exactly. where he does what the fuck he wants. <laughs> well, with all that said, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still struggling with this grade, but I feel like I have to give it a B. OK, um, just because, you know, it, it does focus like that last act. And how much is just like spectacle based and being able to know where everything's going. It like, really it was a detractor from everything that we had gotten before. And um, that's what keeps it from being, you know, perfect. And the fact that, you know, I had to sit through so much and not understand what the <laughs> was going on <laughs> makes it not an A. But I think this film was beautifully shot, beautifully put together. Uh, Chris, I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan, so I loved everything, like everything that we got cinema, cinematically on the screen. Mm -hmm. I thought was perfect. I just story-wise and spectacle-wise, I can't give it an A. Maybe after a second viewing, I'll be changing my tune. But I mean, we'll we'll get there in a couple weeks or so. You know, it's it's <laughs> awesome because he's now like one of those directors in like you know rare company where you can just say that it's a nolan film and people are going to mm. automatically want to buy a ticket so i mean exactly. such a talented talented artist but yeah i don't think i'm gonna see it <laughs> <laughs> you know i'll probably catch it i probably will sure. <laughs> <laughs> just looks like such a mind fuck i don't know <laughs> All right, David. Well, now we have to talk some wrestling. We're going to be talking about AEW this time. That's right. This past weekend, we had AEW's All Out. There's only 15% capacity here, but let him hear you all the way around the world. Let him hear you in Orlando. Hell, let him hear you in Stanford. This is the same thing for AEW as it is to all you guys in 2020. It's just a minor hiccup, a minor setback. Keep on trucking forward. Keep your head up. Do the right thing. Don't take shortcuts. And we're all going to get through this goddamn year soon enough. So it's been a rough week for AEW, to say the least. Um... You know, and I, for me, it's kind of all started with the last, like, couple of Dynamites. I, just the energy level's not there. Um, the execution hasn't been there. Just with the production and, like, the buildup for All Out. Um, it's just been really, like, lackluster. And I, I feel like it carried over to the pay-per-view. I don't know how you well, feel. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you were, like, um, saying that you really imagined this as... You know their WrestleMania, and I and and while for me like any pay per view, I expect like a little bit more. Like I I'll let shit go on weekly television, 
time to time, you know, I, I've been hearing it, I've been seeing it, you know, crowd reaction sucks, but I'll let it go. But when it comes to the pay-per-views, I expect there to be so much more production and everything to just run a little bit better. Like, I expect, you know, if people are paying $60 to tune into this stuff, you know, I expect there to be high production value and high energy and stuff like that. Really feel big and, like, larger than life. And, you know, I know they're stuck in the dailies, but why not give us a little bit more? But I don't know. That's that's just me. And it, it, it does seem like there's little issues that they could easily fix just on their normal television with like miking the crowd. And, yes. You know. Yes. I mean, that's a big thing. Like miking the crowd, I think would definitely, you know, help the situation because, we, you know, from all accounts, like for people who are there, the crowd are like are, are into the matches. It's just, we can't hear them like over the TV. Um, you know, and I mean, some of this is obviously out of their hands. It is what it is. But like, you mm-hmm. know, the people who are around the ring, they're all getting a paycheck from AEW. There's no reason for them to be sitting on their hands. I don't understand what's going on with them. Like now, I mean, it's almost a reverse. Like in the beginning of like the pandemic, like, you know, we would talk about how AEW just has like the show itself has so much more life than anything WWE is, like, putting on. Now NXT is outshining them, you know, with, you know, all the um, performance center, st- you know, students and everything. I, I just feel like they're there collecting a paycheck, like, the people sitting around there. Like, what's th- what's the purpose at this point? Um, mm-hmm. If they're just sitting there, like, mugging for the camera and not actually into the matches. So, I mean, the only people, the, like, the only people I see putting forth the effort in the audience, really, are, like, Billy Gunn and his son, like they're like totally into every fucking match. But unfortunately, everyone else is not following suit. And I don't know if they don't want to like be seen marking out, you know, for other wrestlers or something. But like Khan, like he needs to get on top of that because it definitely affects like the perception of the matches when, you know, they pan to like the crowd or like, you know, the wrestlers around the ring and they're just kind of standing there. Um, also, mm. it feels like you could get a cameraman, you know, up to where the actual audience is and give me more like audience reaction shots because they used to be like that was their bread and butter like before the pandemic. So I don't know why we're not getting more shots now. Like it, you're making a big deal. The fact that you've actually got like a handful of fans in there. Why not actually like show them on TV? Um, exactly. it just, it's just bizarre to me. Um as far as it being like their WrestleMania, obviously that's like, you know, my preconceived notion because uh-huh. it doesn't seem like they're treating it that way at all. It's mm. just kind of like they're another pay-per-view for them. Uh, but I, I do wish they would put a little more into like this one because it does feel like it's supposed to be an offshoot of all in, which started it all. So it feels like they should have hiked this one up more, but I mean, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I I agree with you though. I mean, it just feels like I I I don't know. I expect so much more out of a pay per view like showing, especially when it like what what they showed off for Evolution. It felt like they were going in that direction where they're going to start doing sets mm-hmm. and like maybe do a little bit like different things each time. And when you own the the arena that you're in, it feels like you would have so much more opportunity, you know, to do all these crazy things. In. That's true. Like there was no set for this. You know, like it it was just a picture, pretty much. Yeah, like double or nothing. We had all the, you know, the goofy fucking, you know, 
Vegas, oh, yeah, the Vegas <laughs> motif and everything. And then uh-huh. we had they did they did a bash at the beach, right? Yes. Yeah, so we had that whole. I don't know why they didn't go with a theme for this, just to kind of make it different, um, and mm-hmm. stand out. So, because you're right, if you're paying sixty dollars, you want something different, you know, something fresh. So I don't know, I don't know. Uh, well, let's let's, <laughs> let's stop ragging on them because I mean, what they're they're going through growing pains, and it's still their oh. first year. So I get it, you know. So maybe we should be a little more forgiving. It just felt like they're in such a groove, and then just this last like three weeks, I don't know what has happened, but I don't know. Hopefully they right the ship. All right. Well. We missed the buy-in, so we're going to go ahead and skip straight to our tooth and nail match with Big Swole versus Britt Baker along with Rebel. So originally this was supposed to be part of the buy-in, but then fans were outraged that it wasn't part of the main card since it's been kind of a focal point of Dynamite. Um, Mm. Thanks a lot. Because this this fucking sucked. And this had no business being on the main card. And I understand, like, you want everyone to have, like, their opportunity to shine. And, like, mm-hmm. Britt and Big Swole definitely deserve that chance. But Britt Baker just seems like she's not ready yet. So that's why they're doing, like, you know, one of these cinematic matches. Um, but what they gave us, man, I don't know. It just didn't, like, click on any, like you know, uh, level. It just, I mean, it's just bad comedy for bad comedy's sake. I mean, like, even if she wasn't ready for a match, it's a pre-recorded match, Damon. I mean, like, they could cut around things, they can redo things, they can do whatever. This felt like they did one take for everything and just said, hey, this will work. <laughs> I mean, like, at least, like, the whole ninja thing they did on WWE was, like, had some level of entertainment there. I you know, guess. where where this was just, <laughs> eh. I don't know. I don't, like, what was, like, the opening scene where they, like, pan to one of the, like, dental, like, offices or whatever, and there's, like, blood all over the ground by, like, one of her dental know, chairs? <laughs> was that supposed to be, like, I don't know, like, some kind of joke about, like, what a bad dentist she is? I don't know. Is that something you want to <laughs> advertise as a working dentist? That just seems weird. I don't know. It just, I, I don't know. It didn't work. It didn't work. And maybe it would have been better, like I said, like in the middle of the card. Um, mm. But like to open up the, you know, the pay-per-view like this, you know, with a match that's not even in the arena, it just was a mistake. No, it didn't make sense. Uh, but I mean, up next, at least we got the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. Yes. And this was a fantastic match and would have been a great opener. Uh-huh. <laughs> the crowd was alive. I love seeing like Matt and Nick with a mean streak, um, you know, and I thought like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus like really shined in this match. Everything looked crisp. They worked well together. Um, I'm intrigued like with this new attitude change with the Young Bucks where that's leading. Um, mm. But yeah, no, this this was a great match. I'm still looking for a Luchasaurus singles run, though. Really? It's something. I, 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 I love him as a performer, and I want to see him move forward, but I don't know. I, I, I'm already getting a little tired of Jurassic Express. Really? Okay. As a team. I, I, I'm much more invested in a Jungle Boy-like single run. Luchasaurus. Well, both of them. I love both of them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, he's a talented wrestler, but he feels like when he does his big spots, 
they feel like spots to me. Um, so I don't know if he could handle like working, you know, as a solo act yet. Um, I feel like he needs to kind of iron out some kinks because he does. He he kind of moves half speed like in some of those spots. I mean, some of it's just like, spec, you know, spectacular and, you know, wonderful. But there's other times mm-hmm. where I don't know. It just it feels a little off. So I, I was going to say, I definitely noticed like there's a moment where it's him versus both bucks and it felt like he was moving in slow motion half the time. Yes, I, I definitely saw that. Jungle Boy as performer, like he's come such a long way mm-hmm. from like, you know, just the beginning of this year, um, you know, and he, with limited ring time, if you think about it, it's not like he's out there working house shows and shit. So I, I, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. And I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm not shitting on Luchasaurus, <laughs> but I just don't know how far you go with that gimmick. And I, I don't know. I don't know if I could, like, trust him with the, like, 15-minute, like, you know, one-on-one match. I mean, only time will tell. It'll yeah, happen eventually. Maybe he'll prove <laughs> me wrong. I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, we had the big 21-man casino battle royal with our winner... Lance Archer getting a world championship match um, in the future at some point. So these gimmick matches that AEW does so far, I mean, besides the stadium stampede, just don't work for me. Um, Mm -hmm. They feel so convoluted. There's too many rules. Just do a fucking battle royal. Yes. You know, (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I just I I understand that they want their own signature thing, but like after you did it a couple times, because this is what the second time or third time they've done this. I think third or fourth. Almost. Right. Well, because this was in All In, I believe this is kind of the same mm-hmm. the same match they put together for All In. Um, but yeah, this just isn't working at all. Like, there's no anticipation for like the next group. It's not working like a Royal Rumble or anything. So I'd much rather have them go with like, I don't know, a cleaner battle royal where, you know, or even just rip off the Royal Rumble at this point and call it something different. I mean, I don't think fucking WWE has that, you know, copyrighted that style of match. (laughs) So I think you could pull something off and just give it a fancy name, whatever. Um, But yeah, this just doesn't work for me. It feels always so clunky. You know, and Mm. battle royals are hard to pull off, but this feels like it just makes it more difficult. I don't know if it's just like a pacing issue or there's not enough time between the groups. But, yeah, it just feels like, you know, there's a million people in the ring super fast. Um, I don't really care about the groups. They don't they don't make any sense ever. It's hard uh, to keep track of, like, who's in the match and who's not in the match half the yeah. time, too. So I was like, is he out of the match already? Like, I miss that. Like, I don't feel like and maybe that's more of a production issue, you know, just with their camera work. But I feel like you miss so much of what's going on in this thing mm-hmm. that it's just not, you know, entertaining to watch. Um, and how did you feel about the, you know, participants in general, like what we got out of them? Overall, I thought it was fine. I, mean, I definitely felt like there's some people who didn't need to be in this match. Like I felt like Darby Allen and Ricky Starks could have been like having a one on one match. They they had enough juice there to be just facing mm-hmm. off on their own. And Darby's so over. Like why waste him in a match like this? Um, and I feel awful for Matt Seidel. I mean, what a horrible introduction to AEW. 
Um, he made the most of it, you know, you know, he recovered uh-huh. well, but I mean, that's going to fucking just hang over him for a while now. So, um, that's unfortunate. Uh, there wasn't enough like stories or like big moments going on beyond what happened with Darby Allen in this whole, uh, match. I felt personally, like, like what we got with like Darby Allen was fine. I, I mean, that was super dangerous, but fine being in the body bag and everything again. I guess. Uh, I just wish there was a governor on him. I feel like they need <laughs> to like, dude, like I, one, I don't think it looked that great. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think, it, I don't think it got over like, you know, how incredibly dangerous it was. And I think that was an issue with like camera work. I feel like that was an issue with commentating. Like they should have been more like, holy shit, what is he, what are they doing? You know, like they didn't really put it over enough. Like it, no, it yeah, was just talking more about like him just being in a body bag yes, in general. And it just, I don't know. Like, is it really worthwhile then? Like uh-huh. I didn't get it. So, um, I was happy with Lance Archer winning. Uh, I feel like him and Moxley will have a great match. Uh, do I want to see it as like a pay-per-view match? Probably not. Uh, I- I'm hoping that it's probably more of a TV match because I don't I don't see them dragging it out for another like two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they like do it like within the next like couple weeks on Dynamite. Maybe like put it as like a special Dynamite episode or something. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with having the title on the you know line on a regular episode of Dynamite. Mm-hmm. You know that's definitely something that's not out of the realm of reason. So uh, he's got to stop singing his theme though. <laughs> yeah, he also needs to cut ties with Jake. Oh well, I'm just <laughs> like Jake holding open the bag for Eddie Kingston to see at the end, and just like I don't know, it, it felt so half-assed and just just didn't work or like because at first i was like what is jake even doing out there like what the hell you know is he having a senior moment and i love jake but i'm just over like this pairing and i feel like really it's hindering lance more than helping lance because i feel like he can stand on his own like i felt like he cut decent promos in new japan so i don't know why they even felt the need to pair him with jake Maybe he can't talk about killing everyone every episode. I guess. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Sure he can. (laughs) He doesn't need to talk that much. And when he does, you know, do his little line and that's it. You know, just have him destroying people in the crowd. That's that's what worked in New Japan. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think if he does get end up getting a title down the road, it'll probably be the TNT before it'll be the world title i don't see him winning off moxley just yet no no moxley's way too hot at this point so Mm -hmm. all right well let's move on all right up next we have matt hardy versus sammy Guevara in a broken rules match this has been the uh talk of the town lately on all platforms of sports media for all the wrong reasons um so matt and sammy just need to stay the hell away from each other because this whole feud is snake bitten and Mm-hmm. my god all they do is hurt each other um you know within the first what like five minutes of the match yes first five minutes like matt ends up you know or no i'm sorry sammy ends up spearing matt off of a lift through two poorly placed tables 
Um, and Matt ends up cracking the back of his head on the cement. Mm-hmm. One, there should have been at least three or four tables. I mean, I think that would have, you know, helped break his fall a lot more. I This was so ill-conceived. I, I, I'm kind of disappointed in, like, everyone involved that they thought this was a good idea. Uh, you know, and then, like, that was the beginning of the match. Like, where the fuck were they going to go after this? Like, that was the first five minutes. Like, there's no way this match was only, like, booked to be, like, you know, five minutes long. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and they eventually got to their end spot. But I'm wondering, like, what was, like, booked to be in between everything. Um, but this is something that's bothered me, you know, with the WWE, you know, in sports in general. Like, the rule needs to be, if you're knocked unconscious, it needs to be over. Like, automatically. There is no way you could tell me that they did like a proper like concussion evaluation within like, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of minutes, um, you know, because they like called off the match, um, whether Matt liked it or not. Like and he could even stand up for crying out loud. Like once they saw him like try to stumble up, that should have been it right there. Um you know, eventually they did call it, but then I don't know what the hell happened in between because then all of a sudden they're coming back. Um, and, you know, Matt and Sammy are fighting again. I was like, what are you fucking doing? And the fact that they actually went ahead and, like, let him climb up that weird structure that he almost slipped. Exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just reckless. I mean, I don't want to pile on them because, you know, WWE's, like, guilty of this shit, too. Um, and I feel like a lot of, like, WWE marks have been coming out in droves, like, shitting all over AEW. Like, is more of an opportunity to do so. But what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And this was definitely wrong. Um, You know, for now on, it should just be like the protocol is if you're knocked unconscious, the match is over regardless. You know, we'll ride Mm. our way out of any fucking angle that we're in or whatever, like stipulation we had put in place. Because I know I'm sure part of it was the fact that it was, you know, Matt said that his career was on the line if he lost. Um, And honestly, they should have sat there and just had Sammy, you know, lay down. You know, along with, like, don't let Sammy up and then just, you know, have them both, you know, get countered out. And then it's a draw, you know, and that kind of like, you know, takes away the whole gimmick of having to leave if he loses. So I I just I don't know. I don't know. This was unfortunate. I mean, even if he did lose, that's a that's a good out. They can just hire him back. How many times have I seen that in WWE in general? And He's got four different personas, so they could have just come back as one of those, you know, characters. Mm -hmm. He could have been Big Money Matt or, you know, (laughs) um, you know, version one or, you know, whatever. So there's so many different ways around that. Come on. They're creative enough where they could figure it out. And fans would have forgiven it. Like they, they understand, like, we don't want Matt to die. You know, for some stupid storyline, <laughs> you know, that's ridiculous. So, I mean, I, I they I think the heat that they're getting is deserved. And I hopefully they end up, you know, being better because of this and, you know, putting together a protocol that makes sense. That's safe for all the wrestlers. All right. So uh, up next, we had um, Sheeta versus Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's World Championship. And this was a match I actually really fucking enjoyed. Um, Besides the crowd being dead as per half this card, uh, this was super enjoyable. And I was actually like 
surprised to see what we got out of Thunder Rosa versus Sheeta. Like, I, I didn't know if they would have good chemistry or what, if they've ever had, like, any matches in the past or anything like that. But this worked, and it was so good to see a women's match on AEW work so well. This is probably the best women's match that they've had on AEW, honestly. Mm. Uh, Thunder Rosa was fantastic. Uh, I've caught some of her matches over at NWA, um, so I was excited when she got here. I didn't think they built this up um, well enough, um, mm-hmm. but you know, once they got into the ring, they really let their work do all the talking. Unfortunately, I felt like the crowd was just so out of it, you know, because of everything that happened beforehand with you know Matt. Yes. Um, so, and I mean, it, it was a weird crowd overall because there was times where you could hear them like react and they seemed hot like especially like during the young bucks match and then there was times where it felt like they were like dead and like there was there was i forgot there were people there at one point Uh, (laughs) so and i mean i think it was actually during this match unfortunately because this was such a well-worked match and i want to see more of thunder rosa um you know i know she's under contract with nwa but either hopefully they have some kind of partnership where we get to see a rematch um, or, you know, eventually her contract runs out because we don't even know what the hell's going on with the NWA at this point. No, not at all. But I mean, if her contract, you know, runs out, I hope that Tony Khan ends up signing her. Mm. I started floating ideas in my own head where it's like maybe they could make the second show feature the NWA titles and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I don't know if I would really want that either. I so. don't know. I don't know if Billy Corgan would want that right now. So right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an issue. So, I mean, he definitely feels like he's still striving to get that thing back on, you know, its feet. Um, mm. And hopefully it works out for him because it was a fun show. Absolutely. Uh, up next, we had the big eight man tag team match. Between Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, The Natural Nightmare, Dustin Rhodes, and QT Marshall, along with Ali and Brandy Rose, of course, defeating the Dark Order, featuring Bra- Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson, of course, along with Anna Jay. So this definitely lacked the buildup that it needed. Um, but mm-hmm. that being said, I was entertained by the match. Uh, you know, I like everything that's going on with the Dark Order right now. Uh, I thought, you know, you know, God, Dustin is so fantastic. It's it's just, (laughs) it's so funny. Like it shows you like when a performer is inspired and the leash is off, what they're capable of, uh, because, you know, gold dust, you know, before he left for AEW, I was like, he he needs to hang it up. You know, you could tell he was just kind of going through the motions. I understand why. I'm sure at that point, you know, his spirit was just completely beaten down by WWE. Mm -hmm. But, like, he's just revitalized at this point. Um, You know, and I thought Cardona, like, shined. Um, Scorpio Sky felt kind of thrown in here, and I hope that he kind of gets to do his own thing. But, I mean, it was a fun match, and it was well put together. It just felt like something, though, unfortunately, that could have happened on Dynamite, not on a pay-per-view. Yes. Mm -hmm. I would have much rather see a one-on-one match, like, on the card between, like, Dustin and, like, Brody Lee. And they're going to get there, Um, obviously. I I think that's actually booked for this coming week. But I I don't know. I felt like that would be more pay-per-view, like, worthy than, you know, just this, like, thrown-together, yeah. you know, six-man like tag or eight-man tag. You'd think that the... Yeah, you'd think that the eight-man tag would have been on TV 
and then it would have led to them you know going up against each other at the pay-per-view but i don't know i don't know it's so weird like it felt like they're kind of in a rush like booking this event and i don't know why like it's, it's not like this came out of nowhere you know mm. this isn't this is something had planned for a while yeah this isn't like <laughs> wwe payback <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's just bizarre to me. Like, why did this feel so rushed? But I don't know. Um, it was still a fun match. It was a lot more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. I was going to say overall for me, I, I wasn't too into the match. I don't know if I had just been drained at this point, but I, it didn't do too much for me. I know I did enjoy Dustin's performance in the match. Like as soon as he tagged in, it was go time. But, you know, before that, I don't know. It, it wasn't doing too much. Well, he had a lot of fire and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. These guys, you know, beat the shit out of his you know brothers. So and then that promo he cut afterwards was fantastic, too. I was like, Jesus Christ, man. You know, this guy needs this fucking like a single run. So he still got yeah, it. Yeah, no, he still does. So, all right, well, let's move on. Yes, we had the AEW World Tag Team Championship match with FTR. That's Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood uh, going up against Kenny Omega and Adam Page. So now, while I enjoyed this match, I was, I don't know, I think I was expecting a little more. Um, it felt like they were kind of working more in the confines of like FTR style, um, mm-hmm. which is fine, but it just was like lacking something. Uh, I mean, I think a big part of that is just like crowd reaction. <laughs> Cause like this was one of the matches where it felt like the crowd was just asleep. Now mm-hmm. it was like one of the hottest nights of the year in Florida and they're all stuck outside. So like the humidity was supposed to be off the chain. And it felt like, you know, the crowd, like, I mean, at this point, they're almost like three hours in was just drained. And you could tell, like, even the wrestlers after like five, ten minutes, like they just looked miserable. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, this was a good match. It just like there's parts of it that felt like it dragged a little. I mean, it went a full 30 minutes. And that's with, like, barely any crowd reaction whatsoever. And, like, it, it never felt like we got, like, a really, like, solid hot tag in there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just was never, like, fully invested in this. Gotcha. I mean, I was I was excited for the win in general. Um, I don't know how I feel about the closer closing of the match in general. Um, I didn't get, like, we got the, the angry Young Bucks, right, at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. And then once we got to um, after the finish where with Kenny pretty much letting um, Kenny pretty much letting Paige just lay there on the ground and walk out on his own. And then he walks into the Young Bucks and they actually seemed concerned and like not fully like still angry at the man that pretty much pissed them off and started this whole new character for them. So I I didn't get it would have made more sense if they got into the car with Kenny and left with him. Now, exactly. I don't know what the fuck that meant. Like, are you going back to New Japan? <laughs> like, where are you going, Kenny? Uh, that was bizarre. And I think it, that was on purpose to kind of like leave it open. Like, what does this mean for the elite? Um, but mm. it was a little bizarre and weird. Um, I much rather have gotten like a, a full turn at this point by Kenny. Uh, it seems like they're going to just kind of drag it out for a little longer. Um, I feel like we still haven't gotten like a full explanation, like why Paige did what he did with the Bucks, you know, costing them that match. 
mm-hmm. so I feel like that's another layer that hasn't really been exposed yet. So I feel like there's more to the story because I was actually really excited for this match. So I think that's why it just being okay is so disappointing. Um, I would have rather had them like, you know, net somewhere in the middle style wise, you know, yeah, work, you know, to the strengths of both teams. But I felt like they were kind of more catering towards like FTR. And I love that style, but I don't know. I expect so much more from like Paige and Omega. Uh, so I was expecting like a five star match and I got like a three and a half star match. Well, I, I'm glad you say this because I thought I was going to be the only one that was just like, this was okay. But, um, you know, I feel like what we got with like, remember FTR when they teamed up with the Bucks yes. and it seemed like they were able to do both styles and mix everything together. That's what I was expecting uh-huh. way more from this match. Like they, I felt like at least Omega of all people could have been going way harder on them. You know, I, I just, maybe they don't trust each other yet. Maybe they're not friends enough yet. I don't know, but yeah, but they're (laughs) all professionals. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This this was just a little disappointing. I I don't know if it was just a a choice that they made, um, but it just felt like they left a lot on the table. Exactly. All right. Uh, Up next, we had orange Cassidy. Versus Chris Jericho and a Mimosa Mayhem match. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, I thought this was a good match overall, but I was a little. I like the match. <laughs> I was disappointed with the gimmick of the match. I was expecting more from the whole gimmick of the tank. I don't know what I was expecting. I just, I don't know, maybe a little more creativity. Just it being like kind of like a kiddie pool, you know, two kiddie pools at the end of the fight, <laughs> both sides of the ring. I was like, uh-huh. oh, that's all this is. I don't know. After the stadium stampede, like I was like, well, what mm-hmm. the fuck does what is this match going to look like? Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much what we got. It was fun. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. Honestly, <laughs> it was better than their well, second match. I will say that. That's true. Um, wh- what I would say is like they kept like the commentators kept like building it up like, oh, you know, it has to be their full body submerged. And I'm starting to think like, oh, they're going to do a bunch of drowning spots or like they're, they're really going to get inventive with this thing. You know, it's going to be a bunch of accidents happening near the, the tank or something. But, you know, it, it felt just very standard where it's like there's a ton of these moments where it's like, oh, is he going to fall in? Yeah. And he doesn't fall in. You know, it's like, ah, is that is that all we can do here at AEW of all places? Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, where do you see them going with Orange Cassidy now? I have no fucking idea, man, <laughs> because I, I understand that they've ne- like with um, Jericho's promo beforehand, where he's like, he's a main event talent now. And maybe that's how they want to book him going forward. I'm looking at the main event scene and I'm just like, who does he fight here? Yeah. Like where, where does, you know, where does any of this Do go? Do you really want to see him go up against Moxley? <sighs> Not yet. Yeah. I think it would be an interesting, like, I feel like it'd be a good, like maybe <sighs> on TV match at this point. Mm hmm. I, I don't want to see him at the pay-per-view against Moxley. Yeah, I just don't know. But I don't want him losing to Moxley yet either. I don't know if I'm convinced that this is like, you know, the start of a main event run for <laughs> Orange Cassidy. I mean, it's a big deal and he's super over. Although we don't really mm. even know, like, if he's carried over his momentum, like, you know, throughout the pandemic. Like, he definitely had it at the start of the pandemic. 
But mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Is the crowd still like super into him? Like, has he been overexposed at this point? You know, who knows until like people actually get back into like, you know, the stadiums. So, um, you know, I'm enjoying him. I just don't know, like, if there's like a title run, like in his near future at this point. Yeah, you know, maybe you have him go after the TNT title. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, who knows? Like maybe him versus the Dark Order, you know, against Brody. We'll see. That's not a bad idea. Um, you know, this. It's speaking of which, like this card definitely was missing, like the presence of Cody. I definitely feel like that's one of the biggest ingredients missing. Um, you know, is like having, you know, I mean, he's one of their, you know, biggest baby faces. So the fact that he's mm. not here for this card definitely hurts it a bit. So how fast do you think we'll get Nightmare Family versus um, Evil Elite? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea where they're going with that. Like, honestly, it feels like they're all like on different pages right now. So mm. we'll see like where that all leads to if their whole storyline ends up intersecting at any point because they've really kept Cody away from the elite like over the last like six months almost. So, you know, will they get back on the same page? Will there be some kind of like, you know, confrontation between them? I mean, they didn't come out and help him when he was getting his ass kicked by the uh, Dark Order. So, I mean, who knows? And maybe that's, I mean, I definitely, I mean, you know, at at points I felt like, you know, Cody was eventually going to turn heel. But now that Omega's, you know, seems like he's well on his way. And the Bucks, I mean, they're teetering. Like, I don't see them all turning heel at the same time. That feels like, Mm -hmm. you know, a bad idea. So I, who knows? Who knows where they're headed? I like that, though. I like that it's unpredictable. <laughs> All right. Uh, last but not least, we had John Moxley versus MJF in a singles match for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, but Moxley was banned from using his paradigm shifts. I really enjoyed this match. Um, they got plenty of time. I felt like MJF really got a chance to like show off what he can do in the ring and show mm-hmm. that he belongs like in the main event picture. Cause I don't feel like they did a great job, like building him up. Like, I mean on the mic, that's fine, but I felt like in the ring, they haven't done a great job of like building him up as like, you know, a serious threat. Um, and that's what I was really hoping to get with this program, like seeing him wrestle more one-on-one and just like demolishing guys and showing him like showing off that he's a wrestler's wrestler. Cause that's kind of his gimmick that he's a wrestler. Um, you know, instead we got this whole like campaign scenario that just never really quite worked with me. Um, I would have much rather see him like, I don't know, working matches proving that like maybe his style is better than Moxley, like that he's the pure wrestler. Um, instead of like him trying to convince the fans that he's like the better, you know, person to represent AEW. Like it just felt almost un MJF to like be trying to like, I don't know, cater to the fans. So yeah. <laughs> that was a little weird. Um, you know, and then the whole thing, like the way they ended everything with the lawyer and everything, I it just, I don't know. It felt like the wrong kind of heat. Um, 
But I was super happy with this match. And it proved to me that, you know, like I said, he belongs in the main event picture and that he can work these great long matches because I felt like their styles really meshed well together. Um, You know, it, it shows me that he's not just like all Mike, you know, he's got the skills in between the ropes. Oh, absolutely. I almost felt like this worked better than his feud with, um, well, this match, not not <laughs> not their whole feud. But, I mean, this match in general worked better than his match with Cody originally. I agree. Like, I, I enjoyed this one a lot more. I agree. I agree 100%. You know, I definitely enjoyed this match a lot more. Um, you know, and I don't know if, if it's because, like, Cody and MJF, and it was a fine match, but I don't know if they just mirror each other too much where I enjoyed the differences mm-hmm. in style with Moxley and MJ. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that I mean, that made sense match-wise because he was um, Cody's protege at the time. But I, I definitely think the conflicting styles worked way better for both of them uh, with Moxley well, and You remember uh, MJF. MJF trying to do the crossroads? <laughs> yes, that was horrible. Yes. <laughs> and he actually went for it in this match, and like I was like, "Oh no, please don't!" And then he stopped. <laughs> He's hit it better um, since then, but I was like, "Okay, okay. let's not ruin this match with this <laughs> with another botch crossroads." Him ripping that Moxley's head off. Um, but yeah, no, this was a great match. Um, I'm wondering though if there's still meat on the bone here, since Moxley used the paradigm shift. You know, is MJF going to come back and say, you know, technically you should have lost that match. You know, he he's got a gripe here. So, I mean, mm-hmm. do we get a rematch? You know, does this program continue? I definitely think it will, mostly because, like, just when they were advertising um, this week that he one of them, who will it be talking on the show? I definitely think one of them is going to interrupt the other either way. So, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they haven't done tons of like rematches with, you know, you mm. know, their title matches. So I. I I'd be fine with that. You know, let the program continue on a little bit. I feel like it still has legs. Yeah. I'm always fine with the New Japan style as well, though, where it's just like, who's my next But they've done that. But, you know, and I I think (laughs) at a certain point, it just becomes like, you know, who's the next big bad, you know, of the week, where I wouldn't Mm. mind this program to continue because I feel like there's still a story here. Um, You know, but I, I... I agree, like, after years of the WWE style of, like, multiple rematches and everything like that, that is refreshing. But I feel like AEW Mm. has been doing, like, the New Japan style, and it's okay to, you know, take a break from it, you know, once in a while. So, especially with, you know, a talent like MJF. Yes. Well, Damon, it's that time. What would you give this as a star rating? So, I'm going to give this three and a half stars. Um, I thought the effort was there, but... There just was some definite, like, lackluster booking going on. And just the execution for, you know, some of this was just rather sloppy. You know, I'm thinking of, like, matches like the Casino Battle Royal. I mean, the debacle of, like, the Hardy and Guevara match. Um, You know, the the tooth and nail match. (laughs) So, I mean, that's almost half the card right there, unfortunately. So I just expect more from AEW at this point. I I really feel like this is probably their worst pay-per-view to this point. And they've had a stellar record. So that's not saying much. Um, Mm. I just don't want to see them going down this road. Because for some reason, a lot of this card, like just the way it was booked, 
felt rushed and i'm not sure why that is like it, it like there's so many like matches that just felt like thrown in just for the sake of having a match um where like in the past they've done such a great job of building up these matches um uh, i'm looking forward to full gear still though <laughs> <laughs> no i think i'm in the same camp as you for the most part you know this card was 50 50 i'm gonna give it a three a three star um, mostly because of that you know i do expect more when it comes to storylines because they've had spectacular storylines in the past I, I definitely expect more out of AEW to continue that you know that awesome fucking run that we got at the beginning of the year and they've had um, such a great balance between storylines and in-ring work exactly so i don't know what happened here you know, <laughs> um you know and really the only match i was invested in like storyline wise was you know ftr versus you know omega and page otherwise and that was an okay match yeah 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 just i mean i don't know strange strange and i don't Mm -hmm. maybe like i said maybe it's just the wear and tear of like the pandemic and everything kind of catching up to them at this point so um you know i i don't know i don't know so we'll we'll see what's in store over the next couple weeks you know i'm sure they can write the ship though I mean, if your worst show is only a three, that's I mean, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> I gave payback like a two. So, <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for this week. All right. But before we head out, make sure to head over to dramacityproductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. And if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely. And you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, Dan, what are we talking about next week? All right, so next week we'll be back with a review of the HBO Max series Raised by Wolves. All right, that does it for this week. My name's Christian. And my name's Dave. And that's the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, it's me. Don't scratch. Just cleaning up the timelines. Look, eventually you're going to hang up the claws, and it's going to make a lot of people very sad. Huh? But one day, your old pal Wade's gonna ask you to get back in the saddle again. And when he does, say yes. Oh, right.